I'm Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Friction in U.S.-China relations has increased significantly since the Trump administration came to power in 2017. For many years prior, most observers viewed the bilateral relationship as a combination of competition and cooperation and stressed the importance of managing differences while working together where American and Chinese interests overlapped. This approach seems to be no longer workable, however. Whether the United States and China can avoid a spiral of competition will have an enormous impact on the global economy and the international situation for decades to come. In a speech delivered this past October, Vice President Pence criticized China's approach to trade, the South China Sea, Taiwan, the Belt and Road, and other issues. Not surprisingly, Chinese officials and experts, and even some Americans, have different views about the causes of the problems in the U.S.-China relationship. Today we're going to talk about U.S.-China relations with one of China's leading experts on the United States. Dr. Wu Xinbo is professor and dean at the Institute of International Studies and director of the Center for American Studies at Fudan University. He's been closely following U.S.-China relations for several decades. Thanks for joining us today, Professor Wu. Thank you, Bonnie. So how do you view the essence of competition between the United States and China? Is it about a competition over political and economic models of development? Is it about competition of the international order and remaking the international order? Is it over hegemony in Asia, all of the above, or something else? Well, this is a, an a evolving uh, picture. At the moment and in the foreseeable future, I think this uh, competition is first and foremost about economic issues, economic interests, and the power between two countries. I think there is a genuine concern in the United States about China taking over the U.S. economically in the next decade, and therefore some measures should be taken um, to slow down this process. Uh, at the same time, to a lesser extent, uh, there is also a competition uh, in Western Pacific and Asia in um, military area and also uh, uh, geopolitics. This. Uh, studied actually from the Obama administration with the U.S. rebalance um, to Asia strategy implemented. And also, um, there is a growing concern in the U.S. about China's expanding international influence uh, more broadly uh, in terms of China's uh, development model and its political system. But so far, this kind of competition is not really uh, that serious and visible. So my impression is that in the long term, the competition between our two countries will be mostly on social economic issues, uh, much less to uh, at the political and uh, geopolitical and military level. So there's been a debate in China about U.S. intentions and objectives uh, toward China. So from people that I've talked to, I have the impression that uh, some people think that the United States is trying to contain China's rise, and indeed you've just said that economics is a main factor in the competition and that the United States is trying to slow China's economic growth. But others say that the U.S. goal is really just to change China's economic and security policies so they're more favorable 
to the United States. So China can be allowed to grow, can become even the number one economy, as long as it's not pursuing policies that are unfavorable uh, to the United States. That would include trade policies. It would include policies in the South China Sea that are not seen as threatening American interests. And of course, that would also include military policies uh, that would not be seen as making it risky and costly for the United States to maintain uh, access and defend its allies uh, in the Pacific. So is my characterization of the debate something that you share? Um, if not, how would you define the debate? And Or maybe there's not a debate and you see a consensus. Well, um, there is certainly a debate and uh, it's pretty much still going on. But I guess um, it's going to uh, draw into a conclusion uh, very soon. And in this regard, there is a general consensus that the uh, primary uh, U.S. intention towards China is to maintain the U.S. Uh, superiority vis-à-vis -vis China, mostly in terms of hard power, economic and military power, and not allow China to take over the U.S. as the number one, both economically and militarily. But on the other hand, there are disagreements about what the U.S. may um, do in achieving this goal. Uh, some argue, um, as you just alluded to, the U.S. may uh, try to contain China in the traditional way, the Cold War style. Others say the U.S. will try to promote uh, delink in economic relations and also in cultural and uh, social exchanges between two countries so that China uh, no longer have the access to the U.S. in terms of higher education and technology. Uh, I think this uh, uh, is going to be a test whether the U.S. would like to contain uh, China or not. If the U.S. cut off all the um, economic and cultural education exchanges, uh, ties between two countries, that will suggest that uh, containment strategy is more likely than not. On the other hand, we have seen the uh, discussion about changing the rules of the game between two countries and to make it more fair or more favorable to the U.S. Uh, that will suggest a different approach, which means the U.S. Uh, may allow China to grow and even surpass, but should play the game on uh, uh, even play field. When you raise the issue of containment, it really does bring to mind a sort of competition that existed in the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union. And indeed, there have been many headlines and even analyses from uh, uh, experts that suggest that the United States and China are engaged in a Cold War. I've personally been a little bit skeptical of this because I think the U.S.-China relationship today is so different than that between uh, the United States and the Soviet Union. But I'm wondering if you would draw parallels or whether you think that this analogy is meaningful. Well, I think um, in some aspects, maybe the Cold War um, style uh, will be repeated in the competition between China and the United States, especially on the military side or even uh, if, as I just mentioned, if the U.S. side decided to delink 
the culture and educational ties between two countries. That's what you did vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Soviet Union during the Cold War. On the other front, I think the overall economic relations, um, they will also suffer from this, but I don't think uh, we can go back to the Cold War period in which basically two countries had no uh, any substantive uh, economic uh, relations at all. I think that's just impossible, not only because uh, two countries already have a high stake in this relationship, but also because the international context has changed a lot. This is the era of globalization. So the government cannot really uh, fundamentally control the market behavior. The market will have its own logic. I'm really curious about how you and other experts in China see President Trump. Um, he's viewed around the world, <laughs> I think, um, in many places in somewhat negative terms. Uh, some people really see him almost as an ignorant buffoon. Uh, but I've also seen some uh, experts in China describe him as a brilliant tactician and strategist. So how do you, how do you see President Trump? Is he the is he the the businessman that is going to be this uh, uh, very successful deal maker, or is he somebody that just doesn't understand how the world works and therefore is potentially dangerous? Well, he's um, first and foremost a game changer, and um, I think he's a very first U.S. president. Um, that has uh, behaved this way since assuming the presidency. Um, before entering the White House, he hadn't known any experience of public service. So his governance relies, um, draws on exclusively from his career as a successful businessman. So he applies his commercial and business tactics to the euro of politics and which uh, means a lot of uh, changes to the uh, rules of the game. Um, one problem is that uh, his view uh, of um, the world and the U.S. role in it uh, is somewhat outdated. Um, I think that doesn't reflect the reality and even doesn't uh, solve the U.S. national interests in the long term. Another is uh, his view about the economic relations between countries in the era of globalization. Uh, look at his view about trade imbalance. He takes the, this issue so seriously in a time when globalization are really creating this kind of a global value chain and supply chain. So the traditional statistics about the goods trade among countries don't really mean that much uh, in this relationship. So that is another area. The third area, of course, uh, is his style uh, of doing business. I think one problem um, for China, uh, for other countries as well, I guess, is uh, credibility issue. Um, he change um, overnight, uh, and it may change uh, uh, several times a day. So for him, uncertainty is his strength. But uh, in the eyes of others, that's the weakness, because uh, in the long term, uh, it's very difficult to make a deal with someone who has no credibility. So uh, uh, that is uh, uh, another issue. And um, 
In a nutshell, uh, I wouldn't view uh, him as a brilliant strategist. Maybe he is a smart tactician, so he is able to seek the short-term gain, but may pay the long-term cost. Um, so uh, in business and in politics, these are different. You run a, a company and you make money in one year, that's okay. But as a president of the United States, you have to think about the long-term interests of the United States in dealing with others. And uh, I'm, my uh, concern is that he is actually doing a lot of uh, damage, long-term damage, to U.S. credibility and reputation, not only in the eyes of China, but also in the eyes of allies and other partners. Improving the U.S.-China relationship uh, requires a correct assessment of the problems. And uh, I think there are many Americans uh, who believe that China should take at least some of the responsibility, uh, maybe not all of it, but some of the responsibility for the problems in the relationship. Uh, I look at our two countries as having been in negotiations over so many issues for so many years um, maybe we let those problems fester for too long. Um, we didn't really do enough to seriously address them. This is particularly true in the uh, in the trade area. Um, what what what's what's your view on this? I wouldn't say our record is uh, perfect. Um, certainly, um, China uh, could and can do better in this uh, relationship. Um, some of the issues may uh, structure. Um, very difficult uh, to adjust uh, in a short period of time, uh, especially on um, uh, economic uh, front. You have different interest groups at home. Some um, support um, broadening the um, access for foreign direct investment, creating more competition. Some uh, uh, disapprove it. And also on other fronts, uh, like security policy and uh, diplomatic uh, policy, um, tactically on some issues, I think uh, China could do a better job. Um, to some extent, I think China is still very much in a learning process when it arises as a major power. Because um, when you rise um, physically, to put it that way, you also need to uh, get mature intellectually, learning from um, the lessons of other major uh, uh, powers, and as well as the uh, successful experiences. Uh, I think this is something uh, China needs to prove uh, in the future. Since President Nixon's opening to China, Taiwan has really been the most sensitive issue in the bilateral relationship. And I recall at the uh, 19th Party Congress, Xi Jinping uh, talked about the Chinese dream of national rejuvenation uh, requiring ultimately reunification of Taiwan with the mainland. Do you think that Taiwan is going to become a, uh, a more contentious issue in U.S.-China relations in the near term and in the longer run? Do you think this is something that will be resolved peacefully, or is a military conflict inevitable? Well, that uh, really hinges on the cross-strait relations, the status of cross-strait relations. If uh, cross-strait relations are, are stable and heading in a more positive direction, the mainland may feel more confident and less um, imp impatient 
about uh, reunification. Uh, if we feel that um, the situation is not trending in our direction, there may be growing anxiety and uh, some people may push to impose more pressure on Taiwan, which of course will have the spillover effect on China-US relations. My personal opinion is that um, basically, um, I think the cross relations uh, should be resolved uh, over time. We should be patient, largely depending on the social, economic, and political development on the mainland. If we can make ourselves more attractive to people in Taiwan, I think over time some arrangement of re uh, uh, reunification can be worked out. And um, in any circumstances, military solution would be the last resort, and which, even if it can bring about reunification, it will have long-term um, fallout. Uh, not only in cross-strait relations, but also um, in China's international relations. Chinese and American military assets, aircraft, um, uh, various ships, uh, operate in close proximity in many places around China's periphery, uh, in the East China Sea, but also particularly in the South China Sea. And during President Obama's uh, administration, our two countries signed a memorandum of understanding on safety in the air and sea. Uh, we agreed to observe the code of unplanned encounters at sea. Uh, so we have some agreements that are in place uh, that are aimed at avoiding an, an accident uh, and, and trying to manage the differences that we have uh, over our respective views of what is necessary to secure our own, uh, our own interests. So do you think that these agreements are sufficient? And if there were to be a collision between ships or between aircraft, such as we had in 2001, uh, between a Chinese fighter aircraft and a U.S. surveillance aircraft, uh, you know, do you think we would have potentially a wider war? Uh, would we have a political crisis that, that we would be able to, to manage? How, how concerned should we be about this issue? I do feel concerned about um, some kind of accident, um, a mid-air collusion or uh, collusion of uh, naval ships uh, between two sides in South China Sea. Um, actually, over the last several months, uh, I think there is evidence suggesting that this, is, this risk is even higher uh, in that area. So the um, agreements, um, reached between two sides during the Obama administration is more tactical. They would necessarily provide the enough uh, cushion uh, for two sides uh, uh, in terms of their engagement in the air and, say, um, in the Western Pacific. Uh, here, I think two things are important. One is that um, at the military level, the two sides should have the um, confidence about the intention of the other side. Uh, for example, when the U.S. conducts the so-called freedom of navigation operations in South China Sea, the U.S. just view it as kind of business as usual since. But from the Chinese side, they may view this as provocative 
and uh, and uh, threatening and challenging China's security interests, and they may respond uh, uh, in a way that somehow cause uh, some conflict or collusion. So uh, I think that is uh, uh, one issue at the military to military level. If the uh, military leaders in two countries um, can have a candid uh, exchanges on this issue and they trust each other that neither side wants to uh, provoke and make trouble uh, for this relationship, then that will help uh, uh, inform the action and the reaction uh, in the Western Pacific. And also, it has to do with the uh, relationship among the political leaders. If and when there is accident occurs, uh, the question is, in what context you view this issue and in what context you handle this uh, uh, issue. If you have uh, an understanding about the importance uh, of this relationship, about its value, then you may you know, handle this issue in a way that will not uh, undermine too much the overall relationship. However, if two sides view this relationship as being more competitive and even antagonistic, they may just use this uh, incident to show the other side that I can be tough with you uh, in this kind of uh, uh, relationship while it gets uh, uh, worse and worse. The Trump administration, when it released its national security strategy uh, in December of 2017, labeled uh, both China and Russia as revisionist powers uh, with the ambition to change the post-World War II uh, liberal international order. And I think that that assessment has been driving many of the Trump administration's policies. Chinese officials uh, say China has benefited greatly from this uh, international order and does not seek to overthrow it. Uh, but there have been uh, admissions uh, officially uh, by many people in China that there are some aspects of the international order that China sees as unfair and wants to change. Uh, but I have yet to see any really clear statement about what it is that China wants to change. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what would a more fair and equitable international order look like? Well, let me uh, start by saying that um, I agree with the mainstream opinion in China that China has been a major beneficiary of the current uh, international order, especially um, on the economic front. Uh, on the other hand, I think gradually um, we have found out that the current order is not perfect. And um, the order itself is evolving, is not static. And many other players, they also want to see change and improvement in the current order. Um, if you ask uh, about what is China's position on the issue of international order, uh, um, imp uh, um, reform of the international order. In terms of priority, I think first and foremost is on the economic side. China wants to see, uh, for example, the reform of the current international financial institutions like World Bank and IMF to reflect um, the um, interests and voices of the emerging economies, not just China, 
but also India, Brazil, and others, because the current uh, 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 arrangement really uh, favor the developed economies. So I think that's, that is the uh, priority. And also China would like to create some um, new institutions like uh, AIIB, Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank, so that uh, it can do a better job in funding the infrastructure development, uh, mostly in Asia, but also in um, Eastern Europe and Africa, uh, which is important to the economic growth of many uh, developing countries. So I think that is the uh, priority for China to improve the current international order. And of course, we also want to see some um, reform on the political side. For example, when people uh, talk about the reform of UN Security Council, we think uh, there should be more developing countries uh, joining the council uh, uh, so that you will make this council uh, more representative both uh, geographically and also uh, politically. Well, my last question is probably the toughest because I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball and forecast where you see U.S. relations going in the next five to 10 years. And, and to also identify what are the assumptions that underpin that, that forecast and, and what are the main variables that will affect the course of this bilateral relationship over the next decade? I think we are at the beginning of um, fundamental transformation of this relationship um, from um, one um, comprised of both cooperation and competition to one featured more by competition. So that is one direction. Another is that there may be a downsizing, degrading of this relationship diplomatically, economically, and on the security front. Why would I say that? Um, well, on the one hand, uh, that's because the Trump administration is pushing in that direction. They want to push for, um, to delink uh, economic relations, technology uh, flow, as well as um, cultural and educational exchanges. So uh, to some extent, we have seen the um, shrinking of um, the engagements between two sides on the diplom diplomatic front as well as on the economic front this year. So this may be a long-term uh, trend. Even if Democrats uh, win the uh, election in 2020, I think um, the current trend cannot be uh, completely reversed because on some of the, those issues, there seem to be a bipartisan consensus. Uh, especially with regard to the control of technology flow um, to China. So um, that means in the next five years, we will see a more competitive relationship featured by a kind of um, uh, downsized. If the current relationship is um, 2.0, version 2.0, maybe five or, or 10 years later, that will be version 1.5 or even one, uh, version 1.0, depending on the dynamics in both countries. To some extent, um, I think this is maybe uh, um, inevitable,
because economically, if you look at the um, economic relations, the trade uh, uh, volume between two countries uh, every year, um, investment, China's uh, holding of U.S. federal bonds, this kind of interdependence is rare among the major countries. We haven't seen it between U.S. and any other sort of country, including its close ally like Japan. So to some extent, the rebalance of economic relations um, is inevitable and maybe in the long term is um, a healthy issue because China has uh, relied too heavily on the U.S. market uh, uh, to export its commodities and also uh, maybe uh, purchasing too much U.S. federal bonds, uh, which uh, is not necessarily a sustainable trend in the long term. I think the um, question is, um, when we talk about a more competitive relationship that doesn't necessarily a more confrontational and antagonistic uh, relationship. So to manage growing competition between two countries, why is that we should try our best to make the common rules for the competition? So if the competition is conducted on uh, mutually agreed upon rules, that is okay, especially uh, in economic relations. On the military front, competition may lead to arms race to some extent, or even very vigorous geopolitical rivalry in the Western Pacific. And in this regard, we should be very careful, especially for China. I think it's unwise for China to be engaged, to be involved in an arms race with the United States. And also for the uh, geopolitical competition in Asia and Western Pacific. We should also manage it, not allowing it to spill over into relations with uh, other countries in Asia and Pacific, forcing them to take sides between two countries. None of those countries wants to take sides between two sides. And so this uh, is something we should be uh, very careful. And also, as we just discussed, in Myanmar relations, the bottom line is that we should try to avoid crisis, develop a better formula and mechanism for, for dealing crisis, not allowing any crisis, if it happens, to escalate and then you know create uh, a major crisis in the overall relationship. Uh, so to be sure, we will say some crisis in the future in this relationship uh, as competition um, intensifies. So the question is whether we can um, develop this kind of mechanism to manage them. So competition is inevitable, but uh, is manageable. We've been talking with Wu Xinbo, who is professor and dean at the Institute of International Studies and director at the Center for American Studies at Fudan University. Thanks so much for sharing your insights today. Thank you for your invitation.